Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. Today, my guest is Christine Beasy of Untangled Money. I've been following Christine and her journey for the past couple of years and have always been intrigued by the way that she talks about the gender wealth gap and the ways that we can start to close it. At Untangle Money, Christine helps companies foster stronger relationships with the women in teams who work at their firms. And by offering a women-centric approach to financial literacy, not only does she reduce women's biggest source of anxiety, she also helps companies demonstrate their commitment to gender equality, which helps their employees feel seen. The gender gap that women face is significant. And as you'll hear from Christine today, there are certain things that we can do as women and also other things that the ecosystem, including the financial sector, can do to help us close this gap together. Normally, Shauna and I talk about the impact of our business finances, but we would be remiss if we didn't start thinking about the importance of how our business finances are going to help us think about our future lives. And so there's a really important conversation to be had about our performance in entrepreneurship, our performance as business owners, and how that is also going to help us close the gender gap. Christine, I am so excited to welcome you to this show today. So thank you for taking time with us. I really can't wait to hear what we have to talk about today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I've been a longtime fan and it's a little bit of a pinch me moment, if I'm being honest. Well, I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. And let's get our listeners to know just a little bit about who you are. So what is Untangle Money? Who is Christine Beasy? And really, why were you so called and compelled to do the work that you're doing? Well, that is a big question, but I'll distill some of the moments that got me here and and what we do. I was introduced to a book called The Invisible Women that looked at when you looked at the data that we use to design things. My background is in engineering. And so when I learned that we were designing things primarily for men because we we weren't taking good care of the quality of data we were taking in and disaggregating that by gender, I felt really disappointed. After my engineering career, I became a finance professional, and that wasn't touched on that much during the book. So I started wondering, you know, curiosity and engineering kind of inquisitive by nature, you know, what did that mean for women in my industry? And I started uncovering some really enormous gaps. And it also very much aligned with my personal experience. So you know, I, I feel like I've been fortunate and have a lot of gifts and, and sort of outperformed a lot of times 
throughout my life. So I was a national level athlete. I was a very successful engineer. I, I had made some successful investments early on in life. I was doing really well in my finance career at RBC in capital markets. And, and I sort of felt like, you know, I was, I was going to be able to keep up with the men and I had children. Uh, and, and I, that was when the rails fell off and my career just never looked the same. And that's when some of these, all the readings I had done went from theoretical to, oh crap, (laughs) this is impacting me as well. And I know it sounds silly, but I was really, I'm 45 years old. I was really raised with this idea that women could do anything and, and the time was different. And so I just believed that without even, without thinking about it. And it, it was when my gender, you know, there was a lot of sexism in the industries I was in. And so that, but that was a known sort of navigation. It was the money aspect, this impact on my ability to earn money for myself that was completely unknown to me. And the statistics are there. So that's a long-winded story about how I got a passion about it, why I personally got invested into it. And, you know, I, I, and I also see incredibly talented women around me and my friends and my colleagues also being impacted. It's how I want to change the world for women. But, and then we wanted to look at, well, how do we solve this problem? And so we came up with Untangle Money. It is a financial plan specifically designed to work for women. And that is not actually as simple as it sounds. So I'll leave it there and we can dive into the rest later. Yeah, I love how it's always our lived experience that shapes these solutions that we see. And I think what I love about you is that you really fell in love with the problem. And I, when I think about the work that you're doing, when I think about how you're trying to close the gender gap, I want to ask you, first of all, why is it so important that we take a gendered approach when we're thinking about or planning for or creating financial products and services and even thinking about how women make money, earn money, invest their money? So why is it so important to take that gender lens? Well, so when we look at the statistics, women earn less overall, we earn less for equal work. These are known things. But what we and then things that are less known our salaries plateau earlier. There's a lag in our promotions when we get, so it takes us longer to get promotions and then we get smaller promotions. We have, it's like death by a thousand cuts in the ways that our money is different. But as a former, like I used to invest people's money. As someone who did that, when I look at the data, I realized I would never use the same strategies for the aggregate woman's salary curve and her lifespan as I would use for the man. They would just never work. And the only thing that we hear about is guidance and and things constructed on what the tool that already exists, which was built for largely wealthy men. And we're trying to force fit that solution onto different demographics. And so I this isn't my analogy, but this is one that I really like. Jalen Stewart, another fabulous Canadian woman in money, uh, t- shared this with me. She said, and again, dating myself a little bit, you know, there was this this institution of Gold's Gym, right? Uh, these are these testosterone fueled, heavy muscle building exercise places, and they were open to men and women, but they really appealed mostly to men. And so the rhetoric at the time was that, oh, you know, women just don't want to exercise, or women really enjoy walking. I remember hearing that. <laughs> I used to babysit a woman who walked, so that one, like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember. You know, there's a thousand decisions that made Gold's Gym hyper masculine. 
then we've had this sort of wellness movement and these thousand different decisions that have built up this female sort of centric exercise movement. You know, think of yoga, Pilates, bar, jazzercise. There's a ton, right? Uh, Zumba. And all of a sudden you realize women actually really want to exercise. It's really important to us. We just want to do it in spaces where we feel welcome, comfortable, and and resonate. And so Jalen's postulation was that the finance industry has really been made with a thousand decisions that support this male-centric point of view. And what we really need is this a thousand, someone to take a thousand decisions that align better with a woman-centric point of view. So it's not just the data that's different. So the process is different, the data is different, but also the approach. We we really want to remove judgment from it. We really want people to feel welcome. We really want to have, we use trauma-informed language. And it's been a journey because I came from thinking that the status quo is the right way. And, and, and so we're still learning to create this women-centric approach. But it's really important because money drives everything we do in life. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I think about that Gold's Gym analogy, which I think is such a relevant analogy because it really gives us a starting place where we can all think about what Gold's Gym used to used to look like. And no woman wanted to walk in there. Very few women would want Very to walk women. in there, right? And obviously we speak in generalizations here in these conversations, but I remember reading an article and it was a Harvard Business Review. Now this is 2009 talking about the industries that stood to win the most if they only looked at how they were delivering their services and their products from a gender lens and financial services at that time. So it's 2009 that we've been, you know, ding, 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 like we've got to change the narrative. But the financial industry was the least sympathetic to the needs of women. Yeah. And if only we could start understanding the unique drivers that make women's lives fundamentally more different than men's, yeah. the whole industry would be better. Women would be better for it. Our whole economy would be better for it. And I want to go back again to speaking about some of these gendered approaches, because you've often talked about a lot of the ways that women's financial lives are fundamentally different. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about how they are different. Yeah, so just from a normative perspective, society tells women that their spending is frivolous and tells men that their spending is discerning. I totally disagree. And there's actually some experiments that show that we have equal levels of frivolity and equal levels of discernment. But I think that's a very damaging point of view. And so the first time I talked to a finance professional, I was still, I was in university, I was still waitressing, and I had my nails done at a a salon. And it was one of the things that he's like, oh, you can, you know, move that, it's not necessary. And one, actually, as a service provider, in my contract, I had a certain physical, I can't remember what they called it, but amount of coiffuring that I, like, (laughs) was deemed acceptable by institution. I mean, that's rife with all its own problems. But you know, in my contract, I had to be presentable to a standard that they like. And part of that was, you know, having nicely presented hands because I'm handling food and drink. So he was telling me something that was going to directly impact my ability to generate income. And it just felt so at odds. And it's just one little example. So if I zoom back out, you know, women are told to donate their money. When we look at women's magazines, it's all about philanthropic. It's about donating time and money. It's about doing things for free. And 
when we look at what men are told, it's about building empire, it's about creating wealth, it's about generational legacy. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. I'm saying that those messages need to be more balanced. So it, it needs to be less specific to the genders and the messages need to cross pollinate a bit. You know, I think that some of the wealthiest men in the world have started being philanthropic and they probably benefit from doing a lot more of it. I think some women are starting to build these legacies and generational wealth. And I think that's an important message too. So that's just one example. Another example is women. So I didn't crunch these numbers. These are rough, rough figures from other people, but women earn less over their lifetime than men. Even when we have both have uh, bachelor's degrees, roughly that's a million dollars less over our lifetime. Women generally have to spend roughly four and a hundred thousand dollars more on the pink tax. So paying more for goods and services, we pay more for cars, we pay more for uh, credit, but we have less money and life costs us more. To combat that from an investment perspective, if we're just talking about retirement, you need to start earlier, you need to invest more money, and you need to get it working harder for you. A proxy for getting your money working harder for you is saying you need to take more quote unquote investment risk. That means putting more money into things like stock markets. The problem with that is that the entire industry reinforces and solely focuses on the risk you take today and tells women that they are conservative investors. So we're pushed in that way. It's a quick sale. We resonate with that term. And that's in a direct opposition to what the research shows we actually need to do and the, and the guidance that we should be getting. What we should be getting is a conversation that balances the risk today with the very real risk that we're going to outlive our money tomorrow and, and a conversation about perhaps taking a little bit more risk today is worth offsetting that risk. It's not about risk in isolation. And instead of putting your money in a conservative investment, perhaps we should put it in a more aggressive investment. Now, that's, again, where the industry has not serviced women well. You know, I come as a finance professional. I love aggressive uh, things from my time as a competitive athlete. It doesn't scare me, and I still don't resonate with it. You know, like <laughs> I'm comfortable with the word, still don't like the, the term. They should call it 10-plus-year bucket. In the 10-plus-year time horizon, an appropriate risk return, if you understand what you're doing, is this 8% rate of return instead of calling it an aggressive portfolio. Just call it 10 plus year bucket. It's more akin to how you should be managing your money. People will know if they need the money in less than 10 years. Like it's it's easier to relate to. Anyways, I feel like I've lost the plot, but in general, there's <laughs> so many things about women and money that ha- are at odds and, and don't even align with the data we have. So we are trying to change that one woman at a time. Yeah. And it's such an important conversation because there's so much that the financial industry isn't telling women. And the other thing that women often don't think about too, and I put this in an entrepreneurial context. So just, you know, let me go down my own little path here if I can, but women are comfortable making less money. We have Mm -hmm. been told, we have been socialized to accept that. Yeah. And so when I think about the fact that you mentioned earlier that this, you know, for every dollar a man has in his wealth, a woman only has 32 cents. Well, we can take a look at the entrepreneurial data and say that women aren't charging the same amount of money for their products. So their companies are smaller, they're undercapitalized, they're not thinking about how to use financial products to help grow their money. 
And this is why I think the conversation is so important. The reality is, is that women do outlive men. We know that statistically. And so for many of us, we are going to be relying on a smaller amount of money for a longer period of time. And we have to start having these conversations. So if mm. this feels a little awkward, I'll say for some of the women listeners, like maybe you're thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm in my mid forties or I'm in my mid fifties and I haven't thought about this. The best time to start is still now. All of these systemic pieces, all of these structural pieces that we we've spoken about ultimately shape our relationship with money. And you said that women's number one self-reported source of anxiety is struggling with financial anxiety. And I want to dive a little bit deeper about that. So let's get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think this comes back to some of the societal norms, right? When women is, are not supposed to talk about money, it's not nice, it's gauche. I talk about how much money I earned when I was younger in conflict with what I know people want to hear because I think it's important to say, because it was that investment that I made when I was young that enables me to do what I'm doing now. It highlights the optionality you have when you have money. Money is option. So one of the big learnings for us was I come from a traditional finance background. My idea is that you want to be able to live the way you live today until like uh, throughout retirement. And we, someone was kind enough to call us in on that and say, you know, I don't want to do what you're telling me I have to do to get to that end point. And I was judging her, you know, implied in in putting out the plan that way. There was a judgment that this is what you should do. And that's grossly unfair because there's no point suffering all the way through life to get a retirement that's going to make you suffer more. There There are other levers and it's about managing those expectations. But wrapped up in all of these conversations is shame, fear, guilt anxiety. Most of us have no idea how much we need in retirement. And when you don't know where you're going, you have no way to measure if you're doing enough to get yourself there. And and I don't mean any judgment by that. I had no idea what my number was either. And I worked in the finance industry. It was only when I started this, that I was like, huh, I wonder how much I need. We know this from healthcare, from mental health. When we do not look at things, they fester and they get worse. Mm-hmm. So when we feel this shame, this guilt, this anxiety around money, and we don't look at it, then it just gets worse and it becomes paralyzing. So here's an interesting stat. Again, this is a US stat. They they do have a bit more data down there. We don't have a ton of gender data. So that I just want to start there. But the data we do have, a lot of it comes from the states. So they looked at women who had retired and had outsourced the financial management to their husbands. 80% of these women had a negative shock, meaning they thought they were doing better than they were. And when they retired, they realized they hadn't done as well as they had thought. That is not new. And that story is not getting translated down through the generations other than through these anecdotes, because there's so much shame and guilt. Well, I should have done more. With what time, right? We already know women are time sort. I should have taken that on. With what norm? Like women weren't allowed bank accounts without a cosigner. We weren't allowed to take money. Like, But we we still own and feel all this shame and guilt for all the things we're not doing because that's how society has told women to show up in the world. So we have all these legacy negative emotions around money. The way we try and combat that is removing as much judgment as we can. Everything that's been identified, we've taken out and and making sure that we're having many wellness moments throughout to boost up your self-confidence, to to help you reflect on on what brings you joy and makes you happy. So to kind of balance out these dips in the curve. And it's really hard 
to solve a problem if if we're paralyzed because of these emotions and can't look at it. So we want to make it a safe space. So if you're feeling these emotions, we will respect them and help you work through them. Yeah. And in our work too, at the finance cafe, like we certainly appreciate that each of us comes with a different lived experience around money. And that really does shape the way that we make decisions in our companies. And I, you, you know, you keep bringing up the word retirement. And I, I also want to be able to call out the fact that a lot of our business, that is our future wealth. Yes. Right? If we're in our businesses, we have to start thinking about what do I want this business to be? How long do I plan to be in this business for? Is this business a vehicle for my retirement? How mm-hmm. is this vehicle a driver for the things that are important to me, the things that mm-hmm. I want to, be able to financially take care of and the people that I want to take care of? And so we have to, even when we're thinking about our businesses, this is even where small things, and I'm saying small things because this is a big picture and so many small things fit into it, but right. this is even where pricing comes in. Yes. Right? Our relationship with how we feel about pricing our product to be able to make a fair living wage so that we can start investing in our future, knowing a lot of the, the realities that face us, that chances are there's going to be a time when most women are going to have to take care of their own financial matters and rely on their own sources mm-hmm. of finance. And I really appreciate the the conversation around shame and judgment and we have to start having, you know, different conversations and helping women feel empowered. And that's what I love so much about what you're doing. And, you know, even for Shauna and I, we often say, just go on a money date. We want women to feel that they can take their financial statements, even for their companies. And maybe I don't know what they mean right now, but then I can look at it and say, okay, well, who do I talk to to help me understand what this number actually yeah. means? So both of us are working, you know, both of our organizations, Untangle Money, the Finance Cafe, both of our organizations are working towards closing critical wealth gaps and helping more women feel empowered to when it comes to managing their finance. So let's talk about financial literacy, because at the end of the day, we're both engaged in that. But I want to get your take uh, on why is it so hard for women to engage in conversations and action and even taking part in education when it comes down to financial literacy and wellness. Amazing. Well, I'm going to riff on something that you sort of mentioned in your last statement. Finding out what the story is that the numbers are telling you. So women are dissuaded from math. We know that we have a huge STEM push. Math is just like any other language. Once you get a fluency with it, you understand it in a way, just like a different language, all of a sudden you get the stories, you understand some of the things that it's telling you. When you don't understand a language, you get a translator. So when it comes to business numbers for your own business, it's really important to find someone who can tell that story to you in a way that you understand. And then you can make changes to the story without needing to know the numbers themselves, right? The numbers are not as important as the story in that the story is, it's about our goals. It's about who we are. It's about where we want to go either with our business or with, there's a lot of parallels either with our business or with our, our corporations. So one of the things that, you know, entrepreneurs who come and work with me say is, you know, I'm not really sure how much I should be paying myself. And I said, well, we can, we can work backwards to get there. We know certain, we know what your cost of living is. Those are your you know, in accountant parlance, it's fixed costs. We call it your committed money because you've committed to spending it before you've gotten out of bed. And then we know what you need in retirement 
to maintain those fixed costs. And then we know you need 20% more money of the square. Otherwise, we reach for debt. So if they're paying themselves less than what they need, it's going to feel tight. And the neat thing is if, you know, some businesses can pay in salary and in dividend and there's, and then that's where you want an accountant to help you to understand that story. But what we want to do is we want to paint a picture without using the numbers in a way that you can work with the numbers so that you can get that financial literacy, which is the storytelling component without necessarily needing have not numerical fluency, right? We, you need to know what are the drivers and what are your, what are you personally looking to make in trade-offs? Cause you can't have everything. So what is your priority? What really gets you out of bed every day? How do you drive that? How do you, we say, it, we talk about it in our spending, where do you get the most joy to your spending? It's an incredible concept that Shannon Lee Simmons shared, an incredible female financial professional in Toronto. And we love that. So we run with it. You know, what is it you're trying to accomplish? And then make the story line up and then backwards, you find someone like me, find someone like an accountant, make the numbers work in the background to make that story come to life. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And, you know, I think one of the misconceptions, we're going to get into some myths here in a second, but I think one of the misconceptions that we come across often with women is that they think they have to be good at math and at numbers to understand that story. And we always talk about with our financial statements in business that the numbers reflect the story of every decision that we have made thus far in our companies to help us understand the decisions that we need to make going forward. And a number on its own, I think we often get hung up on a number and say, I don't know what that one number means. But if we're only looking at the number, the numbers have to relate to something. And I think it's really it's a really fascinating and cool thing to watch when all of a sudden we're working with someone and they're like, I get it. I totally understand what this is. And it, it, you're right. The numbers tell the story, but it's helping us reframe that story. So let's get into some of those myths. And what are some of the money myths that women need to overcome? And I want to start with the first one. Women are great with money. So the myth is that we're not, the reality is that we are. So tell me in the different ways that women are great with money. Right. So I do not, I'm, I'm not saying this to put men down. I want to be clear about that. I'm saying this to push back against the societal norm that we've all heard that men, women are bad at money. Women are incredible with money. We save more dollar for dollar. When we, when we earn the same as a man, we save more dollar for dollar. So we save a higher percentage of our salary. The reason our savings are less than men's is because we're missing out that on that million dollars plus and we're paying an extra 400000 So we are dollar for dollar, pound for pound, better savers than men. We are also better investors than men. So the first study I could find was done by Berkeley and they were looking at retail investors. That's you and me, non-professionals. And they wanted to know, could they figure out who made the best um, investors? And they happened to disaggregate it by gender. The best investors were dead. Don't touch your money. The best investors are dead. They don't touch their money. The (laughs) next best investors by a significant margin were women. The, The lowest investor was a man. And there's a lot of reasons why this is. So I just want to make clear, we're not trying to make you more like men. We want to make you more dead, if anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
(laughs) Women are great investors. So then they've redone this study in a number of different spheres. And the the delta, the, the, the amount, the advantage that we have on our investment performance is linked to how much investment risk we have. But that varies, right? So some some say it's a full percentage point, which as a, an investment professional is a career-making difference. Full percentage point. It's amazing over a lifetime. Some say it's like 0.3%, but both professional investors and retail investors, you and me, we have a persistent and consistent outperformance of our male counterparts when it comes to investing. And it likely has to do with despite the financial services industry's best efforts and breaks my heart because I was really wedded to my favorite style of investing and all the learning I did to figure out how to make that happen. Hmm. Over time, most of the time, the best way to invest is very simple. Diversify at the cheapest rate you can and hold it for a long term, which very much often matches what women do partially because we're so busy (laughs) doing everything else. So we also want to make sure we know that when men and women look at their money, the same amount, we behave the same way. So it has likely to do with the fact our, a lot of our, 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 why we're better with money probably has to do with the fact that we don't look at it as much. And that is a great quality to have. Do not look at your long-term money, be a great investor, know that you are amazing with money. So women are great with money. Full stop. Full stop. I I agree. And I also want to tackle another myth is that, you know, the financial industry will often assume that women are more risk averse. And I want to debunk that one as well, not only from my own experiences working with a banker, but also, again, we can go back to the research. We're actually very risk aware. Mm -hmm. In my experience, when I'm working with a woman entrepreneur, she has thought about everything around her life. There's not an isolated pocket for this part of her life and an isolated pocket for that. Our lives are so holistically intertwined that we're considering multiple things about if I do this, how does it shape my family? How does it shape my, you know, the growth of my business? How does it influence the things that are important to me? Does it take away from things that I need to do? So women, we are not risk averse. I want to put this out in a general, you know, as a general, we need to embrace the fact that we're actually very risk aware and we're excellent studies when it comes to wondering if I do this, what is going to happen? And that's, I think, something that the industry just doesn't tell us. I think the industry has us really pegged wrong from that respect. Mm -hmm. So I want to start moving us into closing us out with some advice. And I want to, I want to take a look at advice from a a two-pronged approach here. One, I want to get your advice for women around some of the things that they need to know. And then I'm going to move into what advice you have. And I might just jump into, because I can't help myself, for the financial sector. So let's talk about some of the advice that you, Christine Beasy, have for women around the things that they need to know about money. Yep. Perfect. One of the ones, and I don't know if anybody else thought this, but for some reason, I always thought that I could save my way to retirement. Um, And for the middle class, average Canadian you need to invest in order to get to retirement. You need to invest a lot. The average roughly, roughly is a thousand bucks a month per adult that you need to be putting away specifically for retirement. Now, back to your earlier point, that can be in a business, that can be in real estate, that can be in a variety of things. The industry pushes us into financial products, doesn't have to be into financial products. So 
You need to be investing if you want a traditional retirement. It's the only way to get there. It can also be through a pension. I want you to go to Wellsimple's retirement calculator. It is not perfect. There are some, we have some issues with it, but it's pretty good. And it's good enough for what I want you to do. I want you to go to Wellsimple's retirement calculator. And I want you to find out what your retirement number is right now. It is way more than you think. um, And it will tell you how much you need to put away to get there. And I just want you to have that number in mind because I I didn't know it for a long time. And it's just in a really, it's, it should be table stakes. We highly recommend you get a financial plan. It doesn't have to be with us. We think that ours is the best for women or people who experience non-traditional lives. We focus on the things that we know women need to work on, which is investing earlier, investing more of their cash and investing at a higher rate of return if that's something you're willing to entertain. But having a plan makes you twice as likely to get to any financial goal that you have. It is the biggest determinant of whether you're going to get your financial goals of anything that humans have found. So find a place that you like that makes financial plans, get a financial plan. Hopefully you choose us. (laughs) And women are great at investing. So to your risk aversion comment, when we don't understand things well, we don't invest, we don't put a lot of money behind them. That is very clever. That would have prevented the financial crisis. What we need to do though, is we need to learn enough and get confident enough to be able to put our money to work enough that it gets us to where we want to go. Money is harder for us. There is no point pretending it isn't. It doesn't make it fair. It doesn't mean that change shouldn't happen faster. But when we have more money, we have more options and we can be part of the flywheel to accelerate that change faster so that we can alleviate this problem. And hopefully in three or four generations, let's, well, let's, let's shoot for the moon. Hopefully in, you know, the next generation doesn't have this difference in how, how vastly different our money is. So know your money is different. Start today, get a financial plan, invest your money. Such sage advice. And, you know, I, and I thank you for addressing the realities that we're in. As long as the system is what it is, we have to be able to work within the system and know how we can still advance through that. I love the fact of having a plan and knowing that once we have a plan, we're more committed to it. We even talk about that in our business planning, right? So for people who have listened to us, who have been with us along this journey, having a plan that is so critically important. Now let's flip to the financial sector. So if you were to offer some tips to those working in the financial sector, what, you know, I'm going to go back to 2009 when we had those warning bells saying that the financial industry is the least sympathetic to the unique needs and circumstances of women. Mm -hmm. Uh, What advice do you have? I'm, I'm really tired of the rhetoric that they have created things that work for everybody. And these tools are gender neutral. Uh, We know they're not the world economic forum identified in 2018 that retirement plans need to look different for women and men. I think the financial plan or the planning industry, the banks, they need to look at their the assumptions they put into their plans. They need to look at how they train their advisors when they're dealing with female clients or female and femme clients. Because if you you know, best practice, one of the reasons I point to Well Simple is to predict that you're going to live to 95 unless you know otherwise. This has been best practice for 10 years, but I just got a CIBC and a TD financial plan 
that showed the estimated lifespan was 90. Those last five years are really expensive. That's when you're the most vulnerable and it's important to plan for them. They don't include it because it doesn't look good and it makes people have more uncomfortable feelings. But you can't you can't fix what you don't know. So for the finance industry, for anybody who's listening, the research is overwhelming. Women need different financial plans than men. Women need different approaches than men. Women need different risk profiles. I'd really prefer if they stopped selling what was easy to sell and sold what worked for people because otherwise it is blatant sexism. Hmm. You're selling something that doesn't work. Well, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, so I don't have a whole lot more to add. But I do want to ask you about Wealth Simple. You've mentioned that a couple of times. So, where can our audience find Wealth Simple? So, Wealth Simple is a Canadian robo advisor. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. Quest Wealth is Quest Trade's version of it. There are several available. You can go to Money Sense and look at the different options. We we just like robo advising. It's a place where you can invest your money, where they get. They've used really great strategies, so strategies that I would use myself when I was a professional investor, and they do it cheaper. So when I saw them come on the market, I thought, oh, I probably need to find another job because they are cheaper than me, and chances are they're going to outperform me. Um, only twenty only 2 in 10 managers, active managers, outperform a rope advisor strategy. Wow. So, and that's where women can go and find their number, right? So when you're talking so about the, the calculator, yeah. you said go there right now. So go to Wealth Simple. Wealth Simple Retirement Calculator. Okay, amazing. Put that in your Google search. So as we think about all the amazing work that you're doing, Christine, at Untangle Money, you have mentioned uh, to me, and I think you might have even mentioned it in, in our conversation here today, but your mini course. Let's talk about let's talk about the offering that you have. So I mean, I, I love all the work that you're doing and uh, we're not affiliated, but I know we certainly do work together and um, I love what you're doing. And, and I just think you're making such a deep impact in the market. So let's talk about your mini and what you're offering to women. Our mini is is my vision for how I would rebuild the financial plan from the ground up if you were to take into account women's needs every step along the way. So if we go back to that Gold's Gym analogy, I am trying to make the thousand little decisions that make it accessible, approachable. I am not dumbing it down. I'm just communicating it in a story that resonates. And we look at, we take you through the journey of a financial, creating your own financial plan. And along the way, we're teaching you financial literacy, using your own numbers as the examples so that it lands. So, you know, when you hear about things and it's like, it depends or it's for somebody else and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But when, when it happens to you, you're like, oh, we feel that when we show it, you the impact on your own numbers, that learning sticks in a different way. So. We take you through the creation of your own financial plan. It is a big picture plan. It is a decision-making tool. We help you understand the drivers that you can, or the different levers that you have to change that picture, where the story arcs and what can you do differently. And we do it without judgment. And you walk away with the two heuristics that you need to pay attention to so that you can spend without judgment and you can make you can invest monthly to get you to the goal that we we talked about, so whichever goal you want. I used to say only look at it every three to five years because I don't want you to look at your money too often, but I just redid mine after two years 
And I'd kind of become untethered from my numbers and untethered from the why I had made those decisions. So probably somewhere in there is the right cadence. It'll depend per person. But you remember, it's, it's just a map in a shifting world. So it's not something that's one and done. So whenever you get one, make sure you're you're checking back in at a certain cadence that works for you. So that is the Untangle Mini. I love it. And I just, you know, I can, I can't wait to see where this journey takes you. I know that um, you are making such an impact and I know there's going to be a ton of women that are going to want to figure out where to find you. So that's my last question for you, Christine, how can women find you and find Untangle Money? You can find us at Untangle Money on a lot of different social platforms. We are testing them out. So it does change over time. I, I really want to ask the audience to share with some of the stuff that you learn through the Finance Cafe and what you learned here today with the women in your life who you love. There isn't a lot of awareness about some of these issues. So please share just how different your finances are. I know it's going to be a little bit harder, but it's worth it because we see a 30% reduction in women's number one source of stress when you get a financial plan that works for you. So Give yourself the gift of that. You can find us at Untangle Money and we hope to work with you soon. Now, Christine, you're also offering our listeners a little something special. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Right. If you were compelled by what we said today and you want to work with us with your money, go to our website, type in I am great with money and you'll get 20% off your mini. We'll make sure that all of that is in our show notes. So thank you for that. I'm just going to give another plug that you do often speak as well to different organizations. So if you're looking for a speaker who can really help unpack this and and drive these numbers home, uh, don't forget to think about Christine. So Christine, thank you so much for joining. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you and to hear your insights. You, I always feel inspired when I listen to you and I just know that you are going to continue to make such an impact, uh, not just on this generation, but generations out. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having me. To our listeners, we will see you all next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Finance Cafe and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at the Finance Cafe official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe podcast.